0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Here we are.
1: Thursday, Bucks Patriots Week. And if you're expecting a lot of hype and drama heading into this game, yeah, well, you were not expecting nearly enough because this week has already turned into a freaking circus. Now, I got to admit, it's a circus that I didn't even know that I was interested in. A circus that I was not even here for. And then suddenly, I can't get enough. Because as we discussed yesterday, excerpts from Seth Wickersham's new book about the Pats and that dynasty have dropped. Dropped like nukes on the NFL world. You know, things like Bob Kraft calling the hood the, quote, biggest effing a-hole in my life. End of quote. Or the fact that he called... The Hood, a quote, idiot savant. And essentially, he rescued him and saved him and all but made him by hiring him. And that was just the start. How about that part? That little side nugget about Eric Mangini trying to throw down, I mean, literally give the hands to Belichick at a head coach's dinner, like ran up on him, F-bombed him and tried to give him the hands. Is that any good? Or the part in the book about Belichick and Roger Goodell being secret besties and meeting secretly to talk about NFL rules and hugging it out and getting all amorous with it, and the fact that Belichick was hugging on the commissioner and lifted him up off the ground. Put me in the ground. Put me. How can it be both, Alvin? Urr! Unnamed member of the XR4Ti. Did you go with the porn music? Andy, put me in the ground. Why well, know what I said? It's like Van Eyes, man. He put me in the dirt. He put me in some dirty mattress in the dirt in Van Eyes. Anyway, hey, when I say Van Eyes, you think what? Let's do some word association. I'm gonna say something, and then you say the first thing that pops into your mind. All right, you ready? This is a fun game. Ready? Chatsworth, dirty mattress in the dirt. Chatsworth, yo. That's a town now. A, don't at me if you're in Chatsworth. My folks once owned a factory in Chatsworth where they worked. That's how they put food on our table. That's how I ended up here. Chatsworth, yo. Shout out to Chaminade High School. I think. Chatsworth rules, man. I'll tell you something else. I used to work in Chatsworth because I worked for the family company. And no, I was not in the adult film industry. I wish I were, but I wasn't. But I did work in Chatsworth until my old man fired me. Anyway, I digress. Back to what's going on this week. There's a lot of dirt here, right? An entire pile of dirt, if not a mountain, a Mount Everest of dirt already. And that's just from the excerpts from the book. We haven't seen the actual book, the entire book. And really nobody looks that good, including the hood man. Like if the Wickersham excerpts are nuclear bombs, then the hood himself might be standing directly underneath a mushroom cloud. So, he emerges from the radioactive dust. And I'm not saying he's the only one who looks bad, but he looks pretty bad. He emerges from that radioactive dust. To speak to the media yesterday and offer up his responses. Well, sort of. Because we know the hood. And the hood was about as chatty and forthcoming as you might expect under the circumstances. However, that did not mean that there wasn't plenty of gold in the presser. The rare, well, it's not even rare. The hood never says anything, but there's always gold, right? Except this time he rolled out differently. This time he rolled out with a zinger. Some might even call it an actual joke.
0: Morning. What's going on? Got any stories this week? <laughs> Hi-oh!
1: Check out Johnny Carson. Okay, uh, well, hey. Thanks a lot hey. Uh, what's going on? Hey, you guys. Uh, anybody read any stories this week? Uh, you read anything good? Anything I to I recommend? Uh, I can really use something new to uh, peruse while I'm on the John. Yeah, uh, You know, the uh, uh, the porcelain gods. What's going on? Got any stories this week. Uh, what's going on? Got any stories this week? <laughs> uh, tell you what, Yeah, uh, let me tell you all something. You better give me something good now. Huh? You better give me something good. Uh, I'll bust out my Tommy gun. See? 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 yeah the tommy gun hey you know why i mentioned the tommy gun because uh yeah you see you see uh somebody uh somebody called in yesterday and said hey rome hey rome you're a uh, hood impression you're starting to sound like a 1930s gangster yeah 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 uh, uh. yeah i see it working you know, you all like these questions about tommy don't you uh hey anybody got any good stories yeah, anyway, it's always about Tommy. It's always about Tommy. You always got to ask me about Tommy. Tommy this, Tommy that, Tommy this, Tommy that. Hey, let me let me tell you something. Okay, I'll talk about Tommy. Except we're not talking about the Tommy you want me to talk about. We're going to talk about the new Tommy. My little friend here. Tommy gun. Why don't you ask me about the Tommy gun? Yeah, don't ask me about Tommy Brady. Ask me about my Tommy gun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yo, you don't have any questions about my Tommy gun. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, we're on to, uh, we're on to that ass-kicking. The one that I'm going to lay on them, huh? Ah. Anyway, so this guy, like, actually managed to crack a smile. Like, an actual, visible smile. But you knew that energy would not last. You knew that good feeling would not last. You knew that guy cracking jokes would not last. You knew that once the real questions got going, the mood in that room was going to change really quickly. And then that assumption would have been a correct assumption. First things first, here is the Hood Man's response to the book in question, and specifically the claim that he refused to meet Brady in person for their big marital breakup. Bill, it
0: was
2: reported this morning that um, you preferred to speak over the poem with Tom when he delivered the news he'd be leaving the organization in March of 2020 and didn't want to meet in person. Was, was that true?
0: Yeah. That. Yeah. No, that's not true. And and I've you know heard a few things about you know this book, and sounds like it's a lot of, you know, second, third, and fourth-hand comments. So, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to focus on this game and try to prepare for the Bucks.
1: Yeah. All right. Fine. He said. She said. Everyone said. First person. Third person. Fourth person. Hey, ask me again. I'm going to show you my Tommy gun. Huh? I ain't like that. I ain't like that. Wise guy. So, Hood says, no, that's not true. I'm confused, though. Did he or did he not meet with Brady in person? Did that breakup happen in person, or did that breakup happen over the phone? Like, I'm still not clear on that. It's one or the other. It's binary, and I'm not the only one asking.
0: Bill, what was wrong with—what was incorrect about uh, the— Yeah, I'm going going forward, Greg. Yeah, I'm going forward on that.
2: I mean, was it not on the phone? Was it
1: in person? Yeah,
0: I'm going forward on
1: that. What does that mean? I'm going forward on that? You're not. You're not going forward on that. To imply you were going forward would mean to answer the question. But then again, everybody knew we were not going to get anything out of the hood yesterday. We knew, but that did not stop reporters from peppering Hood with TB44 questions, lots and lots and lots of Brady questions, and man, there were some gems. There were some gems, And by gems I mean some of the worst, most hilariously awkward questions of all time. Like, check this one.
2: Bill, do, Bill, do you anticipate having to, to manage your own personal
1: emotions at all, and more so in this game than, than any other, just obviously given the time that you spent with Tom? Yeah.
0: No, I'm just going to focus on what I can do to help our team uh, win Sunday night. Same thing I always try to do.
1: It's absolutely amazing. Like, how did that guy miss the opportunity to respond with what emotions? Did somebody actually ask Bill Belichick if he was going to have more trouble or any trouble or any challenge at all in managing his emotions? Seriously. Asking Bill freaking Belichick about his personal emotions going into this game or any other game, I mean, that's got to be the ultimate troll job, right? It has to be. And if it is, it's genius. Because I'm not sure I've ever heard anything more ridiculous than somebody asking Belichick if he was going to have any issue managing his emotions. Kind of ridiculous. Very ridiculous. Have you ever seen this guy show any emotion ever? Except for that one time he apparently got the commissioner in a bear hug and lifted him up off the ground. This dude might be more famous for not being able to feel feelings than for winning Super Bowls. But he did not give much or do much or say much to slow down the Tommy-related questions. Like, that presser was basically the journalistic equivalent of a group of people banging their heads against a brick wall over and over and over again.
2: Bill, Patriots fans will hear you talking about Tom, about how he can play till he's 50, about how great he's playing. And I think a lot of Patriots fans, especially Sunday night when he takes the field, they're going to wonder, why does Tom have to be on the other sideline? What would you say to those people?
0: Yeah, say all that's in the past right now. I'm looking forward to the game.
3: Did you want Brady to continue being the quarterback for the Patriots?
0: Yeah, we've already addressed that, so our focus is on the Bucs.
2: Phil, how, how would you how would you characterize your relationship with Tom right now? And have you had any
3: contact with him
0: since he left? Yeah, I think it's good. It's always been good.
1: Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, but you know, it's an even a better relationship uh, between uh, me and me and somebody named Tom. Me and this Tommy Gun. And if I get one more question, then there's the last question of the day. Last, but certainly not least, at least in terms of entertainment value itself. And definitely the worst question of the day, it has to be one of the worst questions that even the hood, who I, I never really want to defend at a press conference, but even in this guy's defense, this has to be one of the worst questions he's ever had to feel. Check this.
2: Phil, would you consider Tom a tough quarterback to defend? And if so,
0: why? How do you consider him a tough quarterback to defend? Yeah. Is that the question? yeah he's just tough what, tough he's as tough as any sense. quarterback there is or ever has been what I mean makes sense? enough said. I mean his numbers are incredible. He's about to pass the all-time passing record. He's done more than any other player at that position um, in whatever measurement you want to take, whether it's yards, completions, touchdowns, championships uh you know you name it so put anything out there you want like oh, I don't get any tougher than him.
1: Let me tell you something. All right. Thank you you, you. you know, you know, it's the worst question ever if all of a sudden that guy's just unloading diarrhea from the pie hole. Like, he can't stop talking. He, in utter disbelief, he first resets the question. Like, Did you just ask me if Tom Brady is a tough quarterback to defend? And then the you can't shut the old man up. He's like, Is that the question? Is that the question? That might have been the worst press conference question I've heard since congratulations on the win. Unfortunately for this reporter yesterday, the hood did not exactly have Rafa's patience or grace.
3: Hi. And um, um, Nadal, congratulations on your win. And I would like to know how do you feel after the game and if you're ready to give it another try. I lost, by the way. Yeah, I know. But it's a, um, it's, a, it's a win anyway.
1: Um, Mmm. All right. So as entertaining as mm. that was, there's more to it. Mm. We didn't even question? get into Bob Kraft. Mmm. Mm. All right. That so that really was something. Hey now, I got a brand new product and a brand new sponsor that I cannot wait to talk to you about. Ten thousand. Ten thousand makes the highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable training shorts you will ever wear. I know I speak from experience because I've got their 7-inch interval short and their versatile shirt. The interval short is the most popular and most versatile style, and it's perfect for being on the Peloton bike or in the gym or for spinning short runs and backyard workouts. You already know my deal. I'm on my Peloton virtually every single day, and now when I am, I'm on it with my 7-inch interval short from 10,000. So many features. Like Silver Ion for odor protection, no bounce pockets, it's breathable, and there's lightweight shell fabric, no bounce foam pocket, and an optional liner that is incredibly comfortable and it prevents chafing. Yes, it does all those things. And this is just me. There is a team of over 200 athletes that test their gear to ensure the perfect design, fabric, trims, and fit. So pick the short that is best for your training and then personalize it with custom liner and inseam options. And they have over 10,000 five-star reviews. 10,000. Free shipping and free returns and a lifetime guarantee. I absolutely love 10,000 and their line and 10,000 is offering our listeners now 15% off their purchase go to 10,000.cc enter the code Rome and get 15% off your purchase 10,000.cc and enter the code Rome Alexander Madison is my guest Alexander good to have you on how are you I'm doing good. How are you? Good, good, dude. So you lost the season opener in overtime, and then week two, by one point, when a potential game-winning field goal was missed, so we're talking, like, really gut-wrenching stuff in the first two weeks, so how good did it feel to come away with that win Sunday against Seattle? Uh,
2: It felt great, especially because uh, Seattle's a team that, you know, the past couple years we've uh, uh, struggled with a little bit, but we, we were able to come out this time victorious, and so that felt good. Uh, Definitely getting our first win. You know, we want to keep that momentum going on and rolling into the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, we're clicking on all phases. And, uh, you know, there's details that we need to hash out and make sure that we do better. But um, the fact that we are able to see that and grow from that and uh, walk away with the win is uh, definitely good for us.
1: Vikings running back Alexander Madison, my guest. And with Dalvin Cook out, you delivered more than 170 yards from scrimmage. Like, how good did that feel to come up with an enormous game like that when everybody needed it from you?
2: Uh, You know, that's uh, something I I really was uh, in a situation where there was uh, not too much pressure put on me because, you know, there's just a lot of support from my teammates, especially from Dalvin. So uh, it, it felt great to get in there and be able to, be it a, a guy that can uh, help turn, you know, things around and and uh, affect the offense. So it was awesome to be able to get in there and, and contribute.
1: And I'm glad you said that about Dalvin. I wanted to ask you about him because back in June I had him on this show and we were talking about what he's learned about routine and preparation since he arrived in the league. It seems like the two of you are always talking and giving each other advice. What have you learned from him over the years?
2: Oh, man, so much. Uh, one of the biggest things I learned from him was this. Uh, taking the game and and playing it like that six-year-old kid that fell in love uh, back in the day. So, you know, we're always just talking and bouncing ideas off each other, and it just helps us grow. Um, and just being behind him all these past years has just helped me grow tremendously.
1: You know, something Mike Zimmer said on Monday, that when the team drafted you, they were, quote, looking for another bell cow, you know, that you have Dalvin, but you're looking for a guy that can carry the load, end of quote. You know, to me, that's really high praise. You had 26 carries, and you had six receptions. 32 touches is a lot of work. So how do you go about preparing your body for that, both in the off season and in the week leading up to the game?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's definitely different going into this game um, after taking that load. Um, definitely have to take a lot more time to to recover and get my body right, but you know doing the right things uh making sure that I just kind of amplify the things that i normally do and getting right going into game week.
1: All right, so the team itself had more than 450 yards of offense. After that game, Zimmer called it, quote, the best offensive performance that I've seen in the eight years I've been here, end of quote. So my question is, when the offense is clicking like that and you're putting up more than 170 yards, Kirk Cousins is passing for more than 300 yards. How explosive can that unit be?
2: Uh, Extremely explosive. As um, As you just mentioned, this offense is definitely capable of doing some explosive things. And, uh, you know, there's just even more yards uh, out on that field that we see. So it's just awesome to see the hard work paying off, but it definitely is something that we take and uh, we're going to look at and and get better because we see that there's so many different things that we can be better at. And so um, that's where, you know, things can get dangerous when you just uh, believe in what you're preparing for and go out there on the field and execute.
1: Vikings back, Alexander Madison for another moment or so. Got to ask you about the matchup on Sunday. I love that game. I know you're getting ready to face the Browns. What is the biggest key for you and the offense in that game?
2: Uh, I think it's, it's just, you know, executing, making sure that we handle the pressures, um, handle the, some of the star players that they have on their defense, and, and not letting them affect our run game and not let them affect the, the pass game uh, with their pass rushes. So uh, it's going to be a, a a task that we just have to go out there and execute um, in our blocks and our reads and just making big-time plays and, and big-time games.
1: All right. so one last thought. There's also a temptation to look at the game as a battle between running back rooms, right? You and Dalvin versus Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Do you see it that way? Is there any part of you that feels like this is a chance for you to prove which team has the best running back combo?
2: Uh, it's not something I really uh, have put any thought into, uh, but it definitely is something that, you know, we can we, we definitely look at uh, after the game is over, you know, but, uh, you know, much respect to those guys on that side, and I hope that they feel the same way about us. We go out there on Sunday and just prove, you know, who we are as, as a running back group, who we are as an offense, and who we are as a team.
1: I'll be real, dude. I know you haven't put any thought into that, but I have. I think it's awesome. I love these running back rooms. Absolutely love it. I think it's great. And there's some real intrigue there. It's a great matchup, a really intriguing matchup. You know, I wonder also, one last thought about Kirk Cousins. For a guy, you know, he's taken a lot of heat and put up a lot of numbers, and now he's got a lot of help around him. He's got some health in front of him. What do you think about playing with him and some of the things that have been said about him in recent years? What's he been like?
2: Oh, he's, uh, he's awesome. <laughs> he's an amazing person, he's an amazing leader. Um, You know, he, he shows it every Sunday when he goes out on the field that, you know, he's capable of being one of the better quarterbacks in this league. And so for us to just have him as a leader and have his confidence in the title, have him just guide us to a victory is, is something that, uh, you know, I don't take lightly. He was uh, actually the first person to text me after I got drafted and you know, ever since then, you know, he's just been uh, a mentor and uh, a great leader.
1: I'm glad that I asked. I'm not at all surprised by that response. I'm not at all surprised. You said what you just said. Alexander Madison, running back for the Vikings, joining us. And again, Cleveland at Minnesota Sunday. Alexander, great to have you on, man. Thanks so much. Good luck.
2: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Now, if you have ever been behind the wheel of a high-performance sports car, you realize just how much better a car can be. If you've done that, you never, ever want to go back. You never, ever want to settle for a regular car again. I know this, and I feel exactly the same way about my X chair I knew it. From the moment I first sat down in it, I understood why many consider X chair to be the finest office chair in the world. Let's talk about this for a minute. For instance, can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? My X-Chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? Probably not, but my X-Chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for by X-Chair. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. And once you do feel that customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar or DVL, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. Trust that. So try my advice. Try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairrome.com. That's the letter X-Chair, R-O-M-E.com for 100 bucks off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort. xchairrome.com. Number one, Frisco might be the toughest team in all of baseball. Not only do they have the best record, man, they will not give in. They have been relentless in refusing to give up any ground to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are battling their Asses off, and they did against the Padres again last night. They were down 9 6, headed to the bottom of the eighth, and then they went off. They exploded. You had Max Muncie. And Muncie with a fly ball to deep right center field. Myers going back to the wall, and it is gone. I hope not. Then you had A.J. Pollock. 9 7, San Diego. Nobody out. A run into the bottom of the eighth. And a fly ball to right field. Myers going back to the wall. It is gone. AJ Pollock for the home
2: run.
1: Uh oh. I don't think that's what they meant by slam Diego. Uh-oh. Then it was Cody Bellinger's turn.
2: 0 1 to Bellinger.
1: And there's a fly ball to right on its way. And it is gone. A home run for Cody Bellinger. San Diego, I am sorry to have to do this, but, well, Corey Seeger. Fly ball, right field. Myers going back to the wall. It is gone! Seager with a two run shot. I mean, absolute mayhem. It was insane. From down 9 6 to up 11 6 and closing out that game at the top of the ninth. If ever there was an inning that showed you how clutch and how explosive, and how dangerous the Dodgers are, it was that inning. The kind of an inning that you would point to and say, that's when they won the division. They came up huge in late September. They came from came from behind. They won that game. They moved closer to the division, and that's when they snatched the Giants' souls. Except they didn't. Because while the Dodgers were coming back from down 9-6 in the eighth to win... The Giants were busy winning their game, one nothing, and they did it with this. To right field. Dugger tagging. Ramos has it. His throw is on line. Not in time. Giants take the lead. They did. Winning one nothing on a sack fly in the bottom of the seventh. While the Dodgers are coming so hard and they're coming so fast. I know a lot of you think that I'm, quote, Dodger Jim. Let me just take this moment and acknowledge the Giants are badass. Man, they are so tough. They are so tough, the Giants. They have been doing this all season long. This is why they still have a two-game lead in that division. No matter what L.A. does, it doesn't seem to matter. Like the Dodgers are closing like a freaking freight train. And the Giants don't even blink. The defending champs have won five of their last six. The Giants have won seven of eight. The Dodgers have won 15 of their last 20. Cool. The Giants have won 18 of their last 22. Let me put it to you another way. The Dodgers have gone 39-13 and since the start of August, and they have gained a grand total of one game on Frisco. The Dodgers are playing 750 ball down the stretch, and it doesn't matter at all. Do you know how good you have to be to play 750? Do you know how good you have to be? You do that over the course of the entire season, and that's better than 121 wins. The Dodgers are the defending world champs. They're on one of the all-time heaters to close out a season, and they've only picked up one game. They're throwing and landing haymaker after haymaker after haymaker, and the Giants don't even know. They barely notice. L.A. could play better than 750 ball down the stretch. They could win 106 games this year and still end up with a wild card. That's how insane that division is, and that's how well the Giants are playing. Frisco lost Brandon Belt to a broken thumb, which would derail most teams. But knowing the Giants, they're just going to keep rolling. Like, the Dodgers are playing lights out, and they still can't run these guys down. Both teams have four games left. The Dodgers are two back. They're going to need to keep playing lights out and hope that the Giants just suddenly show up and choke, which they haven't done all year long, and there's really no reason to believe they will now. The Giants have one more game against the Diamondbacks, Then they close out the year with three against the Padres. The Dodgers have one more against the Padres. Then they close it out with the NL Central champ, the Brewers. And you know who the Brewers or who the Dodgers will not be seeing when they see the Brewers? Reliever Devin Williams. Because Williams is now out for the year, which is really costly because the guy's 8-2 with an ERA of 25 He's punched out 87 guys in 54 innings as a setup guy. So he's not just good. He's really freaking good. And he picked a really bad time to have one of the most baseball injuries of all time. Story goes homeboy broke his pitching hand, broke his pitching hand, punching a wall. After the Brewers were celebrating clinching the division Sunday, Williams told reporters that after the team celebration. So after our celebration, I uh, went out to uh, have a few drinks and on my way home, um, and I was a little frustrated, upset, and um, I punched a wall. So that's, that's how it happened. What? Dude. Like, my man. Celebrate responsibly. There's celebrating, then there's going out and having a few more drinks, and then there's trying to give your wall the hands. And ending your season. I'm not sure if I've ever explicitly said this on the air before, because I'm not sure that I've ever thought I've had to say this on the air before. But punching a wall is an extremely stupid thing to do. Maybe the dumbest thing ever. Guys punching helmets in a training camp fight in the NFL cannot believe how stupid an idea it is to punch a wall. I'm not sure how punching a wall became an appropriate way of demonstrating your frustration. But it's time to rip that page out of the playbook. Punching a wall... Is better than punching a person, but that's about it. Because a fight with a wall is a fight you will lose every time. There are certain things in the history of the world that are undefeated: sex, father time, the wall, and the wall doesn't give a crap. Why don't we go to the tail of the tape? In the blue corner, you have Devin Williams, six foot three and weighing a buck sixty-five. In the red corner, you have a wall. Yeah, I'm going to take that wall in every fight, every single time. The very best result, if you swing on the wall, is you punch a hole through some drywall, and then you got to patch it up. The worst result is the one that Williams ended up with. Surgery and a plate being put into your hand. So either you're going to spend your afternoon with some wallpaper and paste, And that's the best possible scenario. Or are you going to spend the night in the hospital or both? So even if you win, you lose. And when you lose, you really, really lose. Because you don't just cost yourself, you cost your team and your fans and ownership and the people paying your check. So like in the case of Williams, it's not just Williams who lost. It's the Brewers because they lose a damn good setup man. Their best setup man. You know, strangely, baseball being baseball, one of his teammates, Daniel Vogelbach, had his back. Quote, it's not something you expect to hear, but good for him for standing up. It takes a man to be able to stand up and talk about it and admit it and talk to you guys about it. Good for him. Everybody makes mistakes, and it's easy to point fingers, but I think it's what we've done all year, and that's pick each other up. End of quote. Yeah, I'm not sure that I'd ever expect the phrase, good for him, To be used when talking about a guy who punched a wall, broke his hand, ended his season, and abandoned the fight because of stupidity. But I will say this. That's one hell of a supportive teammate. Which is nice. Because after the Brewers worked their asses off for six months to get in this position, they're going to have to work around the absence of a guy who punched a wall and ended his season when he broke his hand. Hey, Devin. It's not like a pitcher needs a pitching hand. I mean, that'd be like Tucker celebrating by kicking a vending machine and breaking his toes on his kicking foot. My dude, Gus Farratt is laughing at you. <laughs> Amari Stoudemire thinks that you lack self-control. Trev Bowers drones cannot believe the timing. My guy Bill Gramatica blowing out an acl in celebration is calling karma on you then again man as always you think i got it bad did you see the other guy wait till you see the other guy you think devin's got it bad wait till you see the wall man that wall didn't have a chance talking all that bleep man that wall had it coming hey wall hey wall you looking at me funny Hey, Wall, you got something to say to me? Yeah, that's what I thought. Hey, Wall, you want some of this? Like I always said, there's certain universal reasons to go. Somebody spits in your face, you go. Maybe the Wall spit in his face. Somebody insur- uh, insults your race or religion, you go. Maybe the Wall was talking about race or religion or his gal. I don't know. No, Or you know what? Maybe the Wall started it. Maybe the Wall looked at him wrong. Maybe the wall threw a drink in his face. Maybe the wall was looking to get paid. Let me tell you something. The wall had nothing to lose, yo. That wall got exactly what it deserved. I'm sorry, man. I. It's just the dumbest thing ever. Really. A pitcher punching a wall. Even in frustration, it's the dumbest thing ever. But in celebration... Hey, now, check this out. Does this sound familiar? And I bet it does. You have one device that lets you catch the game live. You have another one that lets you stream your favorite shows. And you're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you've got your neighbors, best friends log in for all the good stuff. Well, let me tell you about a single way to get all that entertainment that you love without all that hassle. And a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream. And it brings you your live TV and your on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in the same place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the very best part, there is no annual contract. Win, win, win. So get rid of all that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required, content varies by package. Jalen Thompson is my guest. Jalen, great to have you on. How are you? I'm, pre- I'm pretty good, Jim. How about yourself? Good, dude. I'm great. It's great to have you on. Thanks so much. So you guys are yeah. 3-0, and and you are tied for first in the division with the Rams, and you're going to face them in their house on Sunday. I know they're all big, but what is the mood like around the team as you get ready for this Sunday?
3: Uh, guys are juiced up, you know what I mean? Guys are real juiced up. Um, it should be a great matchup. They're a great team. We're a great team. So... It should be a good showdown.
1: It's going to be a great showdown. So when you get an opportunity like that in a game like that, I mean, I know better than to ask Jalen, but is it just another game or do you look at it maybe as a chance to make a statement, to send a message?
3: Um, A little bit of both. Obviously, we want to look at it, um, you know what I'm saying, like it's any other game, but we know what's at stake and we know uh, how good this team is. So... We just got to do the little stuff right and do our jobs, and um, I think that
1: we should be fine. Jalen Thompson joining us. You know, if we were to go back to Sunday's win at Jacksonville, you were down 19-10 to in the second half, and then you ripped off 21 straight to win that game. Kyler Murray made a point of saying afterwards that that was a game that you guys would have lost the last two years. What's it say about this group this year that you find a way to win on the road when things don't always go your way, or maybe when you don't play your best game?
3: Uh, that's just the thing, uh, you know what I'm saying, adversity is always going to hit, um, just with this uh, game of football, so, you know what I mean, just for us to come out second half and, and, and show that, you know what I'm saying, we can handle that adversity is real big for this team, so just going forward in the season, adversity is going to be a, a a big big deal with this team, so, you know what I'm saying, we just got to figure out a way to handle it
1: like we, how we did last week. Jalen Thompson is my guest, you know, I was talking to Buddha Baker a few weeks back, and I mean, obviously, you talk to a guy like that, you're always going to come away impressed. Like you watch him play, you're impressed. You talk to him, you're impressed. What's it been like for you to play alongside him? Um, it's
3: been real big. You know, I came like like you said, I came in as a uh, in the supplemental draft, so you know, I had a I had a lot of catching up to do. Buddha has been making it real easy on me, uh, making my job a lot easier. So playing with him and just seeing how he plays, it makes me want to play the same way. So. Um, I know if i if I can play that same way and can uh do some of the things that he's that he's doing, I know that we're gonna be that much better as a, as a defense.
1: I mean, Jim, to be fair, like you and I talked about you coming in the supplemental draft, but it's so much more than that. Like Cliff Kingsbury made the point that you were selected in the supplemental draft. So you really didn't get an off season as a rookie. And then last year there's COVID. So the off season was weird again. So how have you gone about adjusting to the NFL and getting ready for each season when the closest thing you've had, when you really even had a normal off season yet?
3: Exactly. i um, pretty much just staying locked in and staying, uh, Connecting with my coaches, con, uh, connecting with Buddha, some of the other DBs, and just, you know, what I'm saying staying on top of everything. I'm a safety, so I got to give uh, a lot of the calls to to the corners, to the backers, and to uh, pretty much the whole defense. So that was just the main thing: staying locked in and staying uh, ahead of ahead of everything with my plays, and 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 just meeting up with my coaches and stuff
1: like that in uh, off time. All right, so the thing is, though, everything being normal and everything being equal, it's still a very difficult transition to make from the college game to the pro game, and you're dealing with all these challenges. How did you make that transition from the college game to the NFL as quickly as you have? Because you're making an impact. How did you approach it, and then how have you made that kind of impact so fast?
3: Um, I approached it just how I would uh, on any other team, you know what I mean? Uh, Like I said, connected with the coaches. Um, got a head start on all the plays. Just made sure I was good uh, with that stuff, and then just the other stuff, connecting with Buddha and just connecting with uh, some of the other vet DBs. Um, last year we had Pat P, so connecting with Pat P last year and just um, connecting with some of the guys and making sure that I'm okay. Because like I said, I'm, I'm I give a lot of the calls to the defense, so just making sure I'm okay and making sure that uh, you know what I'm saying I'm, I'm I'm doing the right things to help out this defense.
1: Joan Thompson of the Cardinals joining us. I'm glad you mentioned Pat P. Patrick Peterson. You know, there's been this great tradition of great secondary play in Arizona for years now. So, what's it like to arrive in a secondary that had guys like Buddha Baker and Pat P and more?
3: That's, that's real big. You know, I grew up uh, watching Pat P. You know what I'm saying, trying to uh uh get myself to be become a better uh, defensive back like him. Um and just getting the getting a chance to play with a guy like Pepsi P was huge for me, you know what I'm saying? I I got to figure out how uh how he did some things and, and some of the stuff I shouldn't be doing, uh coming in as a college player. And for Buddha, you know what I mean, just uh figuring out the little stuff. Uh, just trying to trying to uh get myself in the right place, um, not take extra steps, extra movements. And just, uh, like I said, just I know if I could play like Buddha, I know that um,
1: this defense will be real good. Yeah, Joe, and I'm always fascinated where guys grew up and where they learn to play ball. Like, you know, there's a certain brand of ball that you see in Texas or Florida, sometimes in the Midwest. Obviously, I'm a Southern California native, so I'm always curious. Now, watch closely the guys who come out of the area. You played your high school ball at Lacerna, then at Downey High School here in Southern California. What were you like? For those who didn't see you, what were you like as a player in high school?
3: Uh, player in high school, you know what I'm saying? I played receiver. Uh, play a little running back Um, but obviously defensive back is where I wanted to be I I actually started off as a corner um, came to Washington State uh, like the first week they moved me to safety and that's pretty much when I began my uh, safety career and just from there, just been just been going on as a safety and trying to uh, improve and improve my skill set. I know I can do it. So that's just the biggest thing is just getting better
1: each and every day. All right. So when did you first realize that, you know, I got a chance to not only play in the NFL, but I can make an impact and be a really good player in the NFL?
3: Um, I noticed that. I've always felt that way, but I really started noticing it um I think it was my sophomore year in college. I was uh, having a great season just was realized that this is really what I wanna do, and this is really for me and um I know I can do this at at the next level so the biggest thing was just uh, getting out there, playing against uh, some of the guys that I played against in the Pac-12, and uh, realizing that I can do it and, and, and hang
1: with some of those guys. Jalen Thompson joining us. Let me ask you about a couple of quarterbacks before I let you go. Starting with your quarterback, like I make no bones about this, I I'm an enormous Kyler Murray guy. I think he's one of the most unique players and athletes I have ever seen in my life. This cat's just different. I mean, he's just Heck different, yeah. right? Yeah. In fact, what, it doesn't matter what I think. You know, as somebody who plays against him. In practice and watch him how would you describe what is about what he does and what makes him different
3: what makes him different is that he can do it all
1: <laughs> he can uh he can
3: run with the ball he can uh pass a, a great deep ball and uh just going against go- a guy like that every day in practice is it can only do uh, make our defense go up so um, seeing him every day and seeing uh, uh what he can do um, it gives us a head start on the quarterbacks that we're going to see uh Later, uh, later on in the week, and just for the fact that we know that uh, not a lot of quarterbacks can do what he do, what he does, um, it just makes our job a lot easier when we see those quarterbacks on Sunday.
1: Right. So you're gonna see another good one on Sunday. You're gonna face the Rams offense. I'm curious, Heck how yeah. different, right? How different does that Rams offense look to you, Jay, with Matthew Stafford at quarterback?
3: Uh, they look. They're looking really good this year. Uh, Matthew Stafford is a vet. Um, he's been in this league doing this for a long time, so. Uh, he knows some stuff, and, and, and like I say, he's just a vet. So we got to be on our, on our toes with him, and we just got to make sure that we're doing our job this week to make sure that we can uh, limit some of the, the big-time throws that he's been throwing in the past uh, couple weeks.
1: You guys are doing your job so far. 3-0 first place in a really rugged NFC West, and that is one of the best matchups of the week. You've got Arizona at the Rams on Sunday. Jalen Thompson having a big year of safety for the Cards. Jalen, really good to have you on the show, man. Great job. Nice to talk to you. Thanks so much for doing that.
3: Yes, sir. Thank you so much.
2: Work out your stress and get back to feeling great at Planet Fitness. Join the Judgment Free Zone for just $10 a month and get tons of cardio and strength equipment in our clean and spacious clubs. Free fitness training and plenty of room to move. You can go at your own pace and get back to a routine that works for you. All for just $10 a month. Plus, check out the crowd meter in our free PF app for the best time to visit. Don't wait. Join any of our 2,000 plus locations today. In club, online, or in the app. C Club for details.
1: Oh, Margot is in Buffalo. Margot, what's up? Hello. Hello. I knew it.
2: <laughs> and hello, Kathleen. I have a change up for that curveball yours, and it's about to go right in the ground with a little rock history 101. ACDC, genre, rock, 1970s and up. Iron Maiden, 1970s, genre, heavy metal, and without them, there would be no avatar. Slayer, 1980s genre, thrash metal. I was surprised you didn't throw Kiss in there. As in kiss my ass, Kathleen.
1: I guess she's done. One way or another. Margo in Buffalo. Also, normally Lady Clone on Lady Clone Crime is interesting. This isn't. Margo, no offense. Hey, Margo, goodbye. He's not just a dog. He's Paul's dog. Let's go to Paul's dog. Yo, what's up, pup? Rollo, rim
2: room. Raining cats and dogs. Careful not to step on a poodle. Right Ron, welcome, Canada to the jungle. My aunt is a Labrador Retriever. I right, love your bacon. Right, I do care that it's
3: round,
2: square, round, triangle. Better have my bacon. Here's my impression of a moose. Hey, Rocky, watch you pull a rabbit out of my hat. Roar, the Canadian linebacker, finishing higher in the hack-off. Then Myler, Edmund Coover, Rant Myler in Vancouverton, ever did in the smack-off. Rough me, rom
1: route. I mean, Incredible. So if you've never heard the show before, you're probably just shaking your head in disgust and saying, what? And yet the host of said show is saying, that was incredible. And that was incredible. If I were to break that down frame by frame, line by line, you would agree. Rack him. That was amazing. Rack him. My guest is Chip Kelly. Chip, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm good, Romy. How are you? Good, good, Chip. It's great to have you back. I want to look ahead to the weekend, but before I do so, Chip, I want to ask you about that win against Stanford. You beat them on the road Saturday in a game where you had a 14-point lead in the second half, but Stanford did tie it up early in the fourth, and then Dorian Thompson-Robinson hit Kyle Phillips for a 75-yard TD seconds later. Let me start right there, Chip. How significant was it for the offense to respond the way it did to that challenge?
4: Yeah, that was huge. You know, um, we played really well in the second half of all of our games this year. Um, but we knew Stanford is a very resilient bunch. They're tough. They're really well coached. I, I, I'm i not sure there's a coach in the country I have more respect for than David Shaw. Um, and we knew it wasn't over when we got up 21-7, that they were going to keep battling. <clears throat> Give them credit, they tied it 21-21. Um, and then Dorian and Kyle made a play. You know, we came back one play, 75 yards, set up to 28-21 lead. Um, they come back and kick it a field goal at 28-24. And then we put together a drive that kind of sealed it um, to go up 35-24 to win it. But I think it showed a lot of resiliency on our guys' parts. Um, and if you want to win in this league, you, you got to win the fourth quarter, and that's what our guys did.
1: Hey, Chip, two words that you just mentioned, resiliency and toughness, and how important that is to you in the program. I do want to ask you one thing about David Shaw that you just mentioned. I, this is a huge David Shaw house. I have great respect for him as well. But what you just said I think is really high praise. You said, I have as much respect for him as any coach in the country. What makes him different? Why do you respect him so much?
4: I just think how he approaches the game. And um, he doesn't cut corners. He, he always follows the rules. He's actually the head of the NCAA Rules Committee for, for college football. Um, he just got. He's a man of integrity. He's a man of his word. Um, and every time I've ever coached against him, his teams are prepared. They're tough. They're hard nosed. Um, they don't take the play after the whistle. They don't talk crap. They just line up and play. And, and it's our guys knew coming in that this was going to be a battle of toughness. Um, and there's not a tougher team in our league than them. And that's who you want to measure yourself against, in my opinion, is measuring yourself against Stanford.
1: UCLA head coach Chip Kelly joining us. So when you talk toughness, you talk about Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He was banged up, Chip. So I'm mm-hmm. curious, like when you have a guy like that and he is banged up, when you have a leader who's out there battling and fighting yeah. the way he does, how infectious is that? And then how much does that inspire everybody else?
4: Yeah, that's a great point, Romy. It is infectious. And I've always believed if your quarterback's tough, your team is tough. Um, he is the de facto leader of your team just by the nature of the position that he plays. Um, and I think the resiliency and toughness he showed on Saturday, um, our team thrived on it. You know, came back off the bench to throw the last touchdown pass after getting knocked out two plays before. Um, you know, it just tells you what the kid's all about. But he's been tough since day one. His first start was at Oklahoma. And he got bounced around as two freshmen, uh, just kept getting back up. And I knew we had something special with him then um, as he continued to grow and learn the position. But um, the toughness part, as, as Coach Parcells used to say back in the day, Um, If they don't bite his puppies, they're not going to bite when they get older. And uh, when Byron was a puppy here, he was biting. So we knew we had something special in him.
1: That's great. Chip Kelly joining us. I can't get enough of any Parcells stuff. He was something else. What about Phillips? Chip, he was named the conference special teams player of the week for that performance against Stanford. It included 200 all-purpose yards nearly and those two receptions. He's got five TDs in the last three games. What has he meant to the team this year?
4: Yeah, Kyle's special. Um, he's got a knack for making plays and being in the right spot all the time. He had a 59-yard punt return that set up our first touchdown. Got um, kind of a deep down in the red zone against against Stanford. Um, then had the 75-yard touchdown pass. Um, he's a, he's your quintessential slot receiver. Um, does a great job of, of working the underneath coverage and getting um, mismatches versus linebackers. Um, or if they're going to put nickel 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 DBs in there, I think he's that's a nightmare matchup for him. But he's also extremely tough because he's got a block at the point of attack in our run game. Uh, and he does all of that. I think he's a multi-purpose player, um, a returner, a receiver. We use him a little bit at running back. Um, he's our Swiss Army mice and he can do everything.
1: We're talking to UCLA head coach Chip Kelly. You know, you and I, we were talking about the early days when you first got there and you had 87 freshmen and sophomores. And you talked about it was kind of fun on some level because you had kids getting their first taste of college football. As you said, it's like throwing these guys in the deep end and maybe they're not yet swimming the way you'd like to see. Now that you're in your fourth season, what kind of swimming do you see in the deep end now?
4: I think they're doing a great job. You know, they, they, it's been cool to watch them mature in front of your eyes. Those so 87 freshmen and sophomores are now 87 seniors and juniors. Um, it's been fun to watch them grow. You know, they've always competed. Um, we just probably didn't have enough depth. I think this is the year we finally have the depth. We're at our, um, we were way under scholarship wise in my first couple of years here and we've continued to add to that. Um, and and I think it's showing. You know, and that's part of it is that we had good kids in our first years here. We just we didn't have enough of them. Now now we do, and um, it's showing on the field. You know, we're we're three and one, and in our one loss is to a really really good Fresno team that that put a drive together with fifty seconds to go, and and maybe a Heisman Trophy like performance out of their quarterback. Um, but I think our kids grew from that. You know, they came back and had a great week of practice getting ready for Stanford and getting into league play and got off to a good start. So we're one and all in league play. But um it's give all the credit to our players. I think they've matured in front of our eyes over here the last couple of years and, and what we're seeing on Saturdays is what we've seen um over the last couple of years, just that transformation and going from young kids into men.
1: We're talking to Chip Kelly. I think what you just mentioned, Chip, a couple of key things there. You bounced back from that tough loss to Fresno State, so I know they showed you some resilience in that regard. And you always want to win that first conference game. That was big. What about that huge win over LSU? Like the program returned to the top 25 for the first time since 2017. Now you're 3-1, and and you're 1-0, and you're number 20. I know you are focused on the next game, but does being ranked feel like an important step or a milestone in terms of building the program, or is that something you don't even pay attention to?
4: Yeah, we don't really pay attention to that. Um, cause no one really at the end of the day, and the reason why is no one asks you, Hey, what were you ranked in September?
1: Mm.
4: You know, it's, it's where you, you do want to be ranked, but it's where you're ranked at the end of the year. Um, but we also know if you're not winning in September, you're not going to be ranked at the end of the year. So, um, it's kind of a, it's a nice thing. I mean, I think it's nice that you get recognized for what you're doing, but it, um, it's not going to make the cup of coffee any cheaper in the morning. You're not going to get a discount, uh, cause you're ranked 20 um it's about living in the moment and going to work and not getting caught up in as we talk about all the time praise and blame is all the same you know it's, we're not we're not doing this for the um For the likes or dislikes of others, we're doing it because we love the game and and we love the guys that we're doing it
1: with. I like that. Praise and blame are one and the same. We're talking to Chip Kelly. Chip, you're one of the first guys to espouse this theory. Like, I could go back to when you and I first spoke, and one of the things that you said was true then, and it's true today, that you focus on the day in front of you, the practice in front of you, and you win that. Like, nowadays, every coach talks about the process or about going 1-0 today or 1-0 this week. But when you're dealing, Chip, with young players and all the noise and all the distractions, how do you instill that mentality of focusing on just what's in front of you?
4: I think it's more prevalent today and more important today because of the live uh, the lives these kids live. You know, they're governed by social media and they're governed by likes and dislikes, things that I didn't grow up with. Um, so really staying in the present is is helpful to them you know i think there's a lot of issues in mental health that goes on nowadays but um you know i saw a study a little while ago that you can cure 80 percent of your anxiety if you just focus on the current moment and not worry about what's going to happen in the future um and be anxious about it and not worry and not be fearful about what happened in the past but um i think just for all our mental well-beings and not being governed by um you know we're not governed by the fear of what other people say you know we're, we we have to be content with ourselves and, and ultimately, we're the judge. You know, did, did I have a good day? Did I have a bad day? I don't need somebody to tell me if I had a good day or bad day. I know. Um, and if I didn't have a good day, then how can I learn from that? Um, we don't have bad days, we have learning days, and that's how we approach things. So we prepare during the week, we compete on Saturdays, and then we learn from our competition, and then we move forward.
1: I think that's fascinating what you just said, that you can cure 80% of your mental health issues by focusing on what's in front of you and not what may or may not happen or what already did happen. I mean, do you guys talk about techniques in how to do that or do you just make that point? Like, how do you do that exactly?
4: Yeah, we do. We do. And I think what you really have to do, and I I can't remember the book I read it in, but it was, you got to kind of build a mode around your mind and you have to be conscious of what, what you're putting into your mind. You know, and I think part of that is, you know, if someone writes a negative article about you, well, you don't have to read it, you know, and and, and that's part of the process is eliminating the distractions, and there are certain things that are distractions. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm a fan of social media. I think there's a lot of positive things that you can glean from it. There's, you know, if you follow the John Gordons and the Yankee Johnsons and people like that, you can learn a lot of real fascinating things, but if you're on social media to read about articles written about you or how you're playing, then then shame on you because it, it's never all going to be good. You know, you're, I don't think you're ever as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are. But um, I think it's really learning to live with um, you're the ultimate judge of whether you had a, a good day or a learning day um, and not be concerned with what other people are saying about you. And I think when you can get away from that, um, and it takes a while, it takes technique and it takes a little bit of discipline, but um, th- there's a lot of good things you can look at on social media. You should Follow the Rome Show. And follow Inky Johnson, and follow John Gordon, and I think you'll be
1: okay. I I appreciate you saying that, Chip, very much, and I could not agree with you more. I had dinner with John Gordon and Ed Millette a number of months back. It was such a great night. Inky is one of my favorite people ever. I think it's yeah. so true, Chip. Right? Like you, you are not only are you are what you eat. You are what you consume. You are what you read. No, you I, are what you watch. Right?
4: Yeah, and, and we talk about that. Uh, we're we're huge on nutrition here. We're huge on hydration here. Uh, and if we're so conscious about what we're putting in our bodies um, for substance, substance uh, whether it's food or drink, then what are we putting in for thoughts? You know, it's the same exact thing. And you can you can really govern what you put in your body um, from a thought standpoint, is, is what are you following? What are you reading? What are you watching? Um, you know, so geez, I, I'm just so negative after watching the news. Well, then don't watch the news. You know, there's, there's certain people you can follow, read, and listen to that I think are going to put you in the right state of mind, and that's what we're all striving for is to, you know, kind of feel good about what, what we're doing and how we're progressing. And, and um, those are the people I bring in to talk to my team. I've had John come in and to talk to my team. I've had Inky come in and talk to our team. And, you know, people like them and Damon West and people that can you can learn from their experiences, I think is beneficial to you. And, and it's it's something that you have to do every day. You know, it's kind of like shaving. You know, you you got to uh, – if you don't shave every day, you can be a bum, but if you don't consume um, the right things every day, you can be a bum too so um, it, that's that's all part of the process and that's what we try to educate our kids about here
1: and I know chip, I know without saying that if every if every muscle is important to develop, why would you not develop the most important muscle of all the brain
4: exactly exactly so eighty five percent of what happens to you is from the neck up, so let's let's focus and train on that.
1: So you got Arizona State coming up on Saturday, really quickly, Chip. I got about a minute. What are you focused on in terms of that game? What concerns you most about that one?
4: Yeah, I, I think number one is it's just stopping Jaden Daniels. You know, he's such a quality quarterback. Um, he can beat you with his arm and his legs. He can beat you on schedule plays. He can beat you on unscheduled plays. Um, you know, when when maybe he gets flushed from the pocket. So we got to be really disciplined in terms of how we rush him. We got to make sure that we keep him in front of us and. And not let him get out of there. Um, and, and it starts and ends with him. Um, defensively, it's an older group. It's talented. They got talent on all three levels: defensive line, linebacker, and secondary. Um, they're going to make you earn it. They're going to make you go the distance. So um, we got to be really, really disciplined against them, and and, uh, and not get frustrated if things don't happen the way we want it to happen every single play um, and play it for sixty minutes.
1: Such a good thing. UCLA three and one. They're number twenty in both polls, and they're at home on Saturday against Arizona State, seven thirty Pacific. And I say it sometimes, and I'll say it right now. That's how you close the show. The head coach of UCLA, Chip Kelly, my guest. Chip, appreciate you so much. Great to have you back, Chip. Good luck this weekend. All right,
4: Romy. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Good night now.